We are going to uh, finish up our, or wrap up our series on the book of Psalms this morning. And I want to continue with that theme of celebration that we've been kind of talking about this morning. And um, look at Psalm 96, um, which is the psalm that Evie read for us a couple minutes ago. Um, And in this psalm we see the theme of celebrating, which is really one of the purposes of the psalms is that they were written for God's people, um, so the people's hearts would celebrate really basically who God is and what he's done. And so what we see in Psalm uh, 96 is that celebration and declaration are, are, are connected. Um, they're connected um, to really the declaration of who God is and that he has global purposes, um, that really God has made you and I for something very, very large, that God has made us for something bigger than this, um, his heart is global and his heart is for the nations. Because here's the deal. God did not make known his, his ways or reveal his ways um, or reveal his glory um, t- or display his marvelous works to you alone. Or for one ethnic group or for, um, for one particular part of the planet. He did it with the view of the nations that all of them, for all of the nations and for this entire planet. We've said it this way before, um, that it's not about God's plan for your life, but it's about God's plan for the world. That, that who we are as a church is that we're God's people saved by God's power for his purpose to declare his glory to the world. Um, and so that really that God, God is a heart that is after every nation, every tongue, every people group, um, and through that, through the declaration of his people. Um, I get to see this as I travel around um, the, the world recently, um, that, that God, is, God is really at work around the world, that God is continuing um, to be about um, his mission all over the place. I got to see that in Europe and in Denmark when I was um, over there a couple months ago, um, that really the gospel has been, um, has been in existence for many, many years, and, and, the, and Europe is starting to wake up to it again. Um, and the good news of the gospel is starting to go back out and, and part of that. Um, just, a, just a quick announcement, I guess, as, as part of that piece. And too, after I came back from Denmark, Ryan and I talked about how we as a church could really partner with that country to help see church planting go forward. Um, we talked a little bit about that. And um, if you remember, there's basically two denominations in, in Denmark. There's the very liberal denomination, the liberal Lutherans, and then there are um, kind of another um, kind of evangelical Lutherans, and um, God's given us voice into both of those denominations, which is amazing that we get to speak into that. Um, and actually, in the end of May, um, there's a guy from Denmark who is a part of one of the uh, the largest churches in Denmark. Um, is going to come out here and spend two months with us doing life, so he can learn how to like speak the gospel and become gospel fluent, and what it looks like to live in community. So, like. God's doing some crazy things that we get to like be a part of speaking into the world, um, and and He's doing that through His people as we declare His truths. And so, um, God is God is globally in pursuit of His people. God is globally in pursuit of people. And the good news of this city that we live in is that the nations are actually here. That you and I really don't need to travel to declare to the nations. I looked up the stats, um, the nationalities in Los Angeles this week, and there's too many, so I can't really give them all to you. Um, but as I kind of read through the stats of what nations are here, 
Um, there wasn't a nation that I couldn't like find that I'd ever heard of before. Um, and if you look at the density of the amount of people that live here, so every square mile there's 7,600 people plus people. Within each square mile there's 7,600 people, right? And they all represent the nations of the world. And if you think about the influence that Los Angeles has, not only just within this, this people group, but, but as, as international college students are here and go back to their countries and, and the influence of the industry, um, the, of the media, it's mind-boggling how much influence we have over the nations right here where we live. The good news is that God has called us to a place where we get to call and declare to the nations in the everyday. This school that we're sitting in right now, my kids go here, two of them do, and it's super diverse. Like there's every nationality in, when you like look at the like little picture on, on like their school photos, like there's every nationality in, in their class. On this, this block right here, I know of five different nationalities. The nations of the world are here. There's no need for us. We don't have to like figure out how to go somewhere else to like go be a part of the nations. We don't have to learn a new language often. Um, they're right at our doorsteps. And now that we get to, in the power of the Spirit, declare and celebrate who Jesus is. And that, that's really what Psalm 96 is about. And I want, I want us to look at that this morning, that, that what we see in, in Psalm 96 is not just the call to celebrate, not just the call to declare, but actually what we're supposed to declare. And so if you look at verse 1 and 2, um, I want to start there, and we're going to see this, this theme of singing, actually. Um, so 1 and 2 says this, O sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name, tell of his salvation from day to day. As I thought about this, it's kind of an interesting way to start a psalm that's really about declaring to the nations by calling people to sing. Like, why would, why would we start out that way, of a, a psalm about global outreach, um, really, and the duty of, to tell of his salvation day by day and to declare his glory among the nations? Why would this psalm begin with a call and a command to sing the Lord a new song? I think one of the reasons is this, that, that, that the fact is that if, if you... If you can't call others to celebrate and you can't call others to, to sing about God's glory, if you're not singing or celebrating yourself, if you're not really singing or celebrating who he is. We see this in verse 11, that the whole earth is called to the song, says, let the heavens be glad, let the earth rejoice, let the sea soar and all that fills it, let, it, let the field exalt and everything in it, then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord. We see this idea that, that basically all of nature, all of the world is being summoned um, to be glad and to celebrate. And singing really is the consummation of that gladness and it's, just, and it's rejoicing about who God is. This psalm is calling us to spread a passion for the glory of God in all things. Really to, to ascribe God's glory to everything in songs. In verse 1 it says to sing a new song. I started to think about this idea of a new song that it, it made me think about this. And I don't know if this is true or not, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, but to, to my knowledge, I, I think Christianity is the only religion that's actually making up new songs. Like I couldn't think of any other like major religion in the world outside of Christianity that's still making new songs. I could be wrong, but, the, the, but as far as I know, that, that's, that's the case. 
All other, relig- all other religions are, are still singing or they're still chanting basically ancient songs passed down from generation to generation. Because the truth is that we're really the only one whose God is still alive. We're, we're serving a living Savior who's present in our lives in the everyday, and so we have new things to sing about all the time. I think it's interesting if you look at, at where the churches had great revivals and great movements of God, there are always new songs written and composed. New songs are being written and composed and sung to the Lord when something is happening in the church. It's a sign of life and it's a sign of vibrancy. I think we can, we can look at our own country and see that you know, over the past 20, 30 years where, where really the church was kind of in a, in a mix of kind of figuring out what was going on and was kind of starting to die off. God has raised up a new generation of people and really a whole new genre of worship music that was written. So rather than living off of spiritual capital of, of previous generations, songs were written dealing with the living God, that he's real, that he's personal, that he's known, that he's precious, that, that he's present. And worship becomes more intense and more personal and more engaging when we look at what is going on and we write new things. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with older songs. Many of them are rich in theology, and we, we can still learn from them, and we still sing them. Um, but the creation of new songs has in the sense of a continued relationship. It's, it's growing and declaring um, the depths of God. As I think about, like, I don't just talk about the things that me, my wife and I did, like, 20 years ago. Um, it's crazy. That was a long time ago. Um, some of you aren't even that old yet. Um, but... but uh, <laughs> I don't even know what I'm talking about. Um, but we, we have this need that we're, we don't want to just rely on songs of others, but God is calling us to create new songs in your heart. And I, I want to ask us, are you creating new songs in your own heart about what God is doing? As a church, are we celebrating new songs that tell the nations, that tell Los Angeles the story of what God is doing and what he's done? I think this is completely connected to one of our prayer goals this year, that as a gathering, we'd have a greater influence in the everyday. I would love, I would love for us to, to see us start to create some new songs. I put out a call for us to create, create artwork and create psalms, and it was amazing that you got to share that with us this morning, and I know some of you shared some psalms you'd written, but I, I want to call us to create some songs. Like, we, we get to write these things, that we would engage in our culture and, uh, and talk into our to the nations about who God is and what He's doing. Um, there's a there's a missional community in in Tacoma, Washington, out of Soma, up there. And the way that they engage artists is they go through the story of God. They go through this, the 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 story of God, and, and so every week they um, they kind of read a section and talk about it. And then that next week they write songs based on that one story. And so the every, everybody comes back, whether, you know, with a poem or a song based on, or a song based on that story. And some of them can play and some of them can't. But, but they, that's how they've, they've, they've decided to engage artists in their city. And, and these are, are believers and not yet believers who are writing songs about who God is. I'm not saying that's what we have to do, but, but we need to think about what that looks like for us to be creating new songs like God talks about here. Um, so I want to challenge you to, to think about that in your own life. And I don't think that this is just a call for musicians. 
Some, some of you among us can do that and can compose and we can be blessed by that. But this is, this is a call for everyone. If God has called you and adopted you into his family, you have a new song to tell. You have a new story to sing about. It's, it's for all of God's family. That God is doing something wonderful in the fulfillment of Psalm 96. And it's, it's far bigger than one person. It's far bigger than one church. It's far bigger than one ethnic group or one area of the world. The global church is singing about who God is. They're singing new songs. They're singing about the lordship of God over the nations. And, and I, just, I guess we want to simply say this. Don't miss out on that. Don't miss out on singing a new song about who God is. Feel deeply about his marvelous works and sing about them. Sing with all your heart to the Lord. That may not even be a, a you know, some of us can't sing with our mouths very well. Um, when I think about that singing, it's singing with your heart a new song to God. It's, it's, it's part of summoning the nations to join in with you. Um, and by the way, it's one of the things we're going to be doing when Jesus returns. If you look at Revelation 5, um, 9 through 10, it tells us this. It says, And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scrolls and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and nation and the people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on earth. That we get to now sing and celebrate because basically we've won the lottery. We've, we've, we're, we're part of his family now. We're, we, we get to speak of his marvelous works. They're not boring things that we're just like, oh, blah, blah, blah. We, these are boring. These are, these, are, these are not ordinary works about God. We sing because we've personally tasted who he is, and we've seen that Jesus is greater than anything else. He's greater than any other greatness around us. Verse 4 says, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And so we sing because we're ecstatic to know him. It's, it's kind of in a way we're kind of almost like name dropping. Right? Like you, you ever know like you meet someone and like they, they know people right in our town. And like they, they're just like somehow they always figure out how to fit that into a conversation. Like, oh, I was hanging out with so-and-so this week or whatever. Like that happens all the time. But like we know the greatest person in the world. It's God. And we get to name drop that now. You get to call the world to sing to you. It's what you were made for. It's what Jesus died for so that you and I could once declare, once again declare the praises of God that the Lamb was slain for us. I want to go back on to verse 3 here. Um, it's verse 3 reminds us that, that as we sing what we should be declaring to the nation. And this is what it says. It says, tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous work among all people. It says to tell of his salvation, to declare of his glory, to declare to the nations, um, to do this among the nations, to do this among all people. It says all of them, leave no stone unturned, leave no one out. Now look at this. God is a missionary God. The Psalm says, don't leave out any nation, any people, any family, any neighborhood in Los Angeles, any classmate, any co-worker. All people are need to be told of the marvelous works of God. So wherever you are during the day or wherever you are at night, you are 
You are, you're to be name-dropping God. You're, you're to be talking about Him. You're to be singing about Him. It's really what it means to be gospel-fluent, that we would be continually, what continually rolls off our lips is the praise of God and how the application of His death and His resurrection now changes the moments and changes the everyday of pieces of my life. See, Psalm 96 is not the only place that talks about this. Um, we see this call to tell everyone all the time in Romans. In Romans 15, we see Paul, what he does is he compiles quotes from Psalms and Deuteronomy and Isaiah to kind of support his argument that Jesus is the Messiah, but he's not just the Messiah for Israel, he's the Messiah for all nations, and that all nations need to be told about and to celebrate the glory of God. And with this, uh, I'm going to read um, verses 9 um, and 9 through 12. And when you see the word Gentile here, really just substitute that for nations. That's, that's basically Paul's way of saying every other nation outside of Israel. That's, that's what Gentile really means. And so this is what he's saying. And in order that the nations, so in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy, as was written, therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles. I'll praise you among the nations and I will sing your name. And again, I say, rejoice, O nations, with his people. And again, praise to the Lord, all you Gentiles, all you nations, and let all the people extol him. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will come up, even who arises to rule the the Gentiles, to rule the nations. In him, the Gentiles hope. In him, the nations hope. Really, the whole story of the Old Testament is really promising, um, is really promising that God is after the whole earth. That he's after all people. That, that his people, the ones that God calls, will be the ones that actually declare that to them. That they'll sing about it. That they'll tell others about his salvation. That we now, as God's people, have been called into this same story. We've been called into this, this identity as missionaries to the nations, declaring his glory all the time. To not shrink back in fear of what others may say, but to talk about the greatness of who God is. In verse 4, it says that he's to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the people are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. There's really this call to really to lean in um, to loving loving people, the loving work of God of declaration and celebrating, is really to call every people, every nation, every other religion, really to repent and to ascribe glory to God, to the only true and living God. You see, we don't want to just declare the glory of God. We don't want to just sing about it. um, But we want to warn them that they're depending on false gods. They're depending on a false god who's never going to reign. Verse 10 says, says the same thing. He says, Uh, Say among the nation, the Lord reigns. And so what we're doing is when we declare, is we're exposing idols. We're exposing false gods. We're comparing them to the kingship of Jesus, the God of the universe. We're comparing their greatness to God's greatness. Jonathan Edwards said it this way. It says, God is glorified not only by his glory being seen, but when it's been rejoiced in, when those that see it, Delight in it, God is more glorified. Really, it's this idea that the best tool for exposing idols is composing, uh, comparing them to the real thing. Comparing an idol to the real thing exposes its foolishness. 
if, uh, if, you, if you check out the Department of Treasury, how, how, they, how they, they train people in the forgery department is they, they put them in, in rooms for, for months upon times with just real bills. And so all day they spend time with U.S. money, feeling it, looking at it, examining it for months upon months. And then every once in a while they'll throw in a forgery. See, the idea is that when you're exposed to the real thing all the time, a forgery is very simple to see. It's very quick to, to be exposed. That, that very often that, that we can see it because we've been exposed to the real thing. I think we need to ask ourselves, how often are you being exposed to the real thing so that when you actually see and experience a false god, you know the difference? How often are you spending time with the real God of the universe so that you know a false God when you see it. I think when we think about idols, the image that comes to my mind is always is people bowing down to something in a jungle, right? Or, 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 um, or in some tribe somewhere um, or, or, in, or in the Far East where I've been and, and they're bowing down to these giant Buddhas. Um, but idol worship is far greater than that. Tim Keller describes it this way and, and I want to read kind of a few things he says in his book, Counterfeit Gods. And just as, as I read them, ask yourself and listen, where, where is idolatry a part of your life? He says this, an idol is anything that is more important to you, that, more important to you than God. An idol is anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God. An idol is anything you seek to, um, to give you what only God can give. An idol is... Wherever you look and say in your heart, if I had this, then my feeling my life would have meaning. Then I would know it would have value. I'd feel significant and secure. An idol is anything that becomes more fundamental than God to your happiness, meaning in life, and identity. The idolatry is, is fans many, many areas. Idolatry is not merely breaking God's commandment. It doesn't just mean, oh, I've, I've, I broke the first commandment. Idolatry is really a worship disorder. Idolatry is it's a total reorientation of worship, the worship direction of your heart. Rather than singing and celebrating about the glory of God like we talked about in the, in the beginning, it's declaring the glory of something else. Idolatry is really rejecting God and choosing another over and over again. In Scripture, we see this idolatry is, is called spiritual adultery. It's really this idea of basically cheating on God with a cheap whore. You want to say it that way. I mean, it's, it's pretty plain how God talks about that, and he's pretty bold about it. It's, 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 not a, it's not a nice picture. And so the call here in Psalm 96 is really to declare to the nation the worthlessness of the idols that they're following to compare them to the real thing. That, that as I look around this city that we live in, there are people who are a part um, that are worshiping all, other, all, all kinds of other things. But now we are people, we're people of God's treasury department, if you want to say it that way, who declare the, to the nations around us that God reigns in every area of life, that he's better than anything else you can give your life to or anything else you would want to invest your time in. But here's the deal. We don't just tell the nations around about the, 
the greatness and the glory of God and sing to them and celebrate about them and warn them about them. But we actually call them to the conversion. The goal of declaring and comparing idols to Jesus is so that the nations would actually bow down before God. That we would call the nations to give their life to Jesus. That's the role of the church, is to, is, is to bring people to Jesus and to have them bow their life down, to have their life committed to his kingship. See, the role of the church is not to just get people into a building, not to just come into a place. Uh, we hope that they find Jesus here, but what a disservice if it would be if, if, if we just showed them their idols and showed them how worthless they were, and, and, but we never called them to turn and repent of them. That's... It's worthless if we did that. It's why we have said that one of our prayer goals this year as disciples is that we want to see each one of our missional communities multiply through baptisms and conversions. What it means is we want to see more disciples who are made, who would live out the gospel in the everyday. And multiplying means that we would call the nations of Los Angeles who don't yet know Jesus, who are serving all kinds of other idols, to turn and give their life to his kingdom. There's plenty of things that are important in this life, but this is the greatest call for all of God's people. That as family members, we would embrace this purpose in life. That we would live within our missionary identity so that God would be glorified among the nations. If, if you know Jesus, this is what you were made for. It's what God called you into his family for. So that you would declare that your need of Jesus and call others to see their need of Jesus so that they would bow down and join God's family. That is, that's the call for us. And the good news of Scripture is that you're not doing this by yourself. You're not declaring on your own. The, the Scriptures say that the Holy Spirit is the declarer of Jesus. And so the pressure is off. You get to open up your mouth and open up your life and allow the Holy Spirit to do the talking and allow the Holy Spirit to, to sing the new songs. If you're not a good singer, it's, it's all good. The Holy Spirit's a pretty good singer, probably. I'm guessing he's, he's good at lots of things. Um, so we're, we're just called to be willing participants in the process of declaring. It's, it's the reason why God has you in your specific job right now. It's the reason why God has placed you in the school that you're in. It's the reason why God has placed you in this city, in the town that you live in. It's not a mistake. God didn't make a mistake in placing you in Los Angeles. He has a grand purpose for, his, for you to be his voice in a city that's running after many, many other idols. And the reason is that there's 7,600 people from every nation within every square miles, and God is jo- calling us to join in the choir of singing to Los Angeles about the glory of who he is. Jay Campbell White um, is a guy who started the layman missionary movement back in the early 1900s. And he says this, and I think it's true. He says, Nothing can wholly satisfy the life of Christ um, within his followers except the adoptions of Christ's purpose towards the world he came to redeem. Fame, pleasure, riches are but husk and ashes in contrast with the boundless and abiding joy of the work of God for the fulfillment of his internal plans. That really the only thing that's ever going to bring you fulfillment in your life and, and true joy in your life is seeing other people come to Jesus. We're going to find joy and all those other things, but, but where our hearts are really going to celebrate and sing 
or when we see other people come to Jesus. I know that in my own life, that when someone comes to Jesus, like, when I think about it right now, like, it overwhelms me with, like, so many emotions that, like, I don't even know what to do. Like, my, I just well up. It's that idea that we get to celebrate and sing of God's glory so that others would give their life to him. That's the consummation of what your life is about. It's what my life is about, that you and I have the best news to declare. There are so many other stories that are being told in our city. If you look at the news, whether it's sports or politics, there's really no good news there. Um, but, But we've been given the greatest news to declare and to declare it with global purposes so that every nation would hear and give their life to Jesus. And I want to call us as a family to embrace that heart of the nations, to embrace the salvation of people in our city. In Jeremiah 29, God's people are living in a place that they don't like. It's not home for them. Many of them don't like it. Many of them are often looking back and complaining about where they live. Maybe you can relate to that. Um, And God comes to them and reminds them that there's a purpose for them living there. He says this to them in Jeremiah 29.5. He says, Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that your sons and daughters may multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you in exile and pray to the Lord on his behalf. For it is its welfare where you'll find your welfare. God has specifically sent you right here and right now. There's not a mistake of why you're sitting in this room. It's not a mistake of why, where you live. God has specifically had a reason um, that his people were in Babylon at this time. And his heart was for the nation so that his people would then declare to another nation. And I want to remind us that God has the same heart today. And he has compiled his people in this city. And he has placed you and I here for a reason so that we would pray for the welfare of Los Angeles so that we would embrace this city, so that we would give up comforts of other places and other things, so that we would then live out a greater purpose of reaching the nations. Because God has not only compiled you here, but he's put every other nation in here as well. So that you and I might not have to go anywhere. We don't have to, we don't have to work very hard to do it anymore. We just have to step outside our back door. And God has called us as a, as a place to go and to celebrate, to sing about his goodness and to declare his glory and to call people to turn from false idols and to give their life to the true king. And so as we think about celebrating this morning, as we're going to go to, to eating a meal, I want to remind us as a family, that's what God is calling us to do, that we get to celebrate because we have the most to celebrate. We should be the most celebratory people on the planet Because God has been gracious to us in giving us his son. That's really what communion is about. We're reminding each other of the goodness of what God has done for us. We're celebrating that he died and that his blood was shed and his body was broken so that ours didn't have to be. And that he didn't stay dead, but that he rose again, that he gave us new life. And now because of that, we get to sing a new song because we get to experience a personal God who's for us in the everyday all the time. Our Father, we thank you that you love us. We thank you that we are not alone. We thank you that you've given us a greater purpose. 
than to just do the things that we like to do, and the things that you've equipped us to do. Lord, I pray that as, as we step into every aspect of life that you have you've gifted us in, whether that's in engineering or whether that's in an industry or whether that's in, um, in teaching or, or, or in, in bartending or whatever that may be, Lord, we ask that you would call us and remind our hearts that you have specifically placed us there to declare your goodness and declare your glory. Lord, we thank you that we get to live in a city where we don't have to go very far to, to declare that to the nations. Lord, I pray that you would remind us of that, that you would open our eyes to see that, and that you would call us as a family um, to, be, um, to be your missionaries in this place. Lord, we thank you for this morning, that we get to talk about your things, and that we get to be re- reminded of your heart for the nations, and that your heart was for us, that someone came and declared it to us, um, that you called someone else to do that. Lord, I pray that we be people that would declare that to others. We thank you um, for communion. We thank you that we get to go and be reminded of your grace for us. We pray that you would uh, bless the rest of this morning. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.